Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. The Pulitzer Prize is an award for achievements in a number of categories, including journalism and literature. It was established in 1917 in the will of Joseph Pulitzer, who had made his fortune as a newspaper publisher. Kentucky has had its share of Pulitzers. Newspapers have won. Robert Penn Warren won for both poetry and fiction. There have been runners-up, too. Margaret Verbal of Lexington's first novel, Maud's Line, was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 2016. Her new novel, Cherokee America, is now in bookstores. Margaret is a citizen of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. Both novels are written about her family's history, living on Native American land in Oklahoma. You know, my family, um, they didn't sit around and talk about being Indians any more than white people sit around and talk about being white people. Um, We did have the tribal attorney in our family. Uh, He was my mother's first cousin. And um, he, oh, he was an encyclopedia of Cherokee history. Uh, His name was Earl Boyd Pierce. And Earl could talk forever about Cherokee history. And he really influenced me more than anybody else. The rest of the family didn't really care about Cherokee history. They were just trying to, you know, get along and uh, earn a living. Uh, so I, I, picked, I picked stuff up from Earl more than I did anybody else. And, of course, you know, there were Indians in my family that weren't literate, too. I mean, th- we're not talking about people who have educations. They didn't, you know, they didn't go to high school. Uh, you know, they went part of the way through grade school. Um, my mother had first cousins who... who um, you know, had never learned to read English. So there was not a lot of less talk about history. And also the history was uh, unpleasant. So, uh, and there's a tendency, I think, in people who have been through um, really bad things, you know, not to want to dwell on those for their kids. Uh, They want to send their children out into the world to try to get along. And of course, at the time I was born, the roads were closed. And uh, so, you know, everybody had to go out into the white world and get along with white people. So there wasn't a lot of uh, emphasis on uh, conflict. Was it, was it difficult for you to learn of your family's history uh, with the Cherokees or uh, through your uh, relative who was the attorney, uh, you you gained a lot of information, and I'm sure that you then probably turned around and did a great amount of research uh, into your family and into how they interacted with uh, with others in the nation there, and with white people too. Well, um, the uh, it, my family is uh, uh, well. Let me put it this way: a man named Emmett Starr. Uh, compiled an enormous history of the Cherokee Nation. 
And in that history, he traced genealogy of what he called the 13 first families of the Cherokee Nation. And my family is one of those families. And so I had Star's genealogy available to me long before the Internet, long before people uh, got interested in genealogy. And so that had been written down. And, and the Cherokees, the Cherokees are as well documented as, uh, you know, as the Mormons, as the royalty of, of Europe. Uh, the Cherokees know who they are. And uh, particularly, uh, my family was written down. So I had that resource. Um, and that was probably more important than anything else. Your first novel, uh, Maud's Line, um, a finalist uh, in the uh, 2016 uh, Pulitzer, uh, which uh, I know you're quite proud of, and we are all proud of that also. Thank you. Uh, was set in 1928. Mm -hmm. um, and before we talk about uh, your new novel, Cherokee America, uh, give us just a, a brief sketch of Maud's Line, and if you will uh, begin by telling us what a section line is and and how that played such a significant role in your novel Maud's Line. Mm -hmm. Well, the uh, if, you, if you fly over the middle part of the country and look down from your airplane, you will, in uh, lots of places, see section lines. They're great big squares, and uh, they're laid out. Uh, I think there's a 640 acres, it's, you know, a mile on a side. And um, these section lines crisscross part of Oklahoma um, that uh, my family lived in, uh, which are the bottoms of the Arkansas River. And, uh, you know, you just run up and down those section lines in your cars or your horses or your motorcycles or you walk them, a lot of people walk them. Um, and, and, and really a lot of the West is laid out like that. So it, it was something that you thought would make an apt title for your novel. Well, I didn't name the novel Maud's Line. I named the, the novel Maud's Allotment and it was bought and, um, the, uh, uh, advertising people up at, Holt Mifflin Harcourt got to talking about the title and and my editor called me and said well we we want to change the title of that I said well how come and she said well she said we like the word Maud she said but we the marketing people think the word allotment's a little heavy and I said okay <laughs> um what does heavy mean exactly? <laughs> and she said, well, uh, weighty. <laughs> and, and I said, well, you know, uh, come up with something better. We'll talk about it. So, you know, what I realized by the time they came up with Maud's line was that they didn't understand what an allotment was exactly. And... If they didn't understand it, then readers wouldn't understand it. You know, Indians know exactly what mm. an allotment is. 
and at least non non reservation Indians do, and and it is a heavy word. Uh, it has a, it carries a whole baggage of history with it. Uh, but you know that history is so obscured to uh, the general population that you know they came up with Ma's line. I said fine, <laughs> it's okay by me. When did you start thinking about uh, your next novel, your new novel, Cherokee America? I started thinking about it in about the year 2000. So long before, uh, or were you writing it as um, at the same time you were writing Maud's Line? No, I wrote it before Maud's Line. That's why it's a prequel. That's why it's a prequel. And I wrote Maud's Line in order to get it published. And I had trouble getting an agent for Cherokee America. And I realized, uh, as it uh, basically what I was told again and again was, well, you know, we, we sort of like this, but, you know, we can't sell Indians. And uh, we don't know how to market Indians. Well, since then, Indians have become very fashionable. So... Uh, the other problem was that uh, it's got a lot of characters in it. And for first novels, people, you know, people in New York think first novels should follow one character through. So when I finally came to terms with that, I thought, okay, I'll sit down, I'll write a novel. It'll, ca- it'll carry one character through. And it'll simplify it, you know, make them happy. And so I did. I wrote Maud's line in about 14 months. And it sold. And I structured it so that the people that are old in Maud's line are young in Cherokee America. That's pretty fascinating for people to understand the writing process and, and what you did to, to bring life to, to Maud's line which, uh, of course, you are known for at this point. Um, Cherokee America, was, how long did it take you uh, to write it? And, and when you finished that, and did you shop it around, and they, they just not give you encouragement that it was going to be something that they could, they could buy and then sell for you? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I wrote on it on and off for... Well, from about the year, uh, you know, two, 2001, 2002, somewhere around in there, uh, until I finally gave up in 2014 and thought, well, I'm just going to have to give in and write a novel that, uh, you know, that they can sell up in New York. And, they, you know, I had figured out what they could sell or had been told what they could sell, and so I wrote a novel that they could sell. Uh, you write in, um, in Cherokee America uh, in your uh, a tribute to and a dedication to your grandmother, uh, and you write, who loved me unconditionally, slipped her culture to me indirectly, and who on a hot summer's evening in the kitchen told me about Aunt Check. Yes. So, yeah. so the uh, I love this uh, phrase: slip her culture into you indirectly. How did she do that? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, that's a good question. And let me say 
that she was very successful. Uh, my first cousin, she did the same thing too, and he wound up being the uh, director of the National Museum of the American Indian in Manhattan. And, you know, so she, with her first two grandchildren, she somehow produced little Indians. Now, I don't know what she did to John, but what she did with me was she, when people weren't around, uh, she'd do little things like slip me Indian head pennies. And she also, you know, she was different culturally than, than white people and had different ways. And I learned those ways. And, and I was only, you know, and I, I'm amazed by this when I think back on it. She, she wouldn't talk to white people unless they were in the family. And she trained me to do her talking for her to white people. And I was an adult before I realized she'd trained me to do that. She's she, she pretty slippery. What did she tell you about uh, Aunt Check and uh, the Cherokee America singer family and that was so rich uh, that you carried with you for so long and, and now have, have written the novel about? Well, she, uh, I, 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 this character, Cherokee America singer, is based on a woman named Cherokee America Rogers. And I found uh, this woman's grave in what used to be the old Cherokee National Cemetery, which is Citizen Cemetery outside of Fort Gibson, Oklahoma now. And I was visiting my grandfather's grave at the time. Granddaddy had just died, and I, I was, uh, uh, I probably had just graduated from college. And I came home, and I, I uh, told Grandma, uh, you know, she, she knew I'd been to the cemetery. And I told her I saw this great uh, marker, this great gravestone. It's beautiful. And it had this fabulous name on it, Cherokee America Rogers. Grandma just laughed, and uh, she said, you found Aunt Check. I said, you knew her? She said, she said yes. And then she told me that uh, when uh, her father, my great-grandfather, and his brother came to Indian Territory as orphans of the Civil War, that Cherokee American Rogers had taken them in, and she had given them work and essentially made their lives because they were orphaned boys. Um, and I don't think people realize how desolate or uh, the damage that the Civil War did in Indian Territory and in Arkansas and in uh, Missouri, too. Uh, we always think of the Civil War as going on in the South and in places that, you know, like Gettysburg. But it was just awful out there, and so many people were orphaned. And um, so, so Mrs. Rogers took my great-grandfather and his brother in. And my grandmother was eternally grateful to her um, and, and, and felt very warm toward her and uh, conveyed that warmth to me. Now, at the time, I thought that she really was my grandmother's aunt because part of our family, and I know this from Emmett Starr's genealogy, is, is the 
are the Rogers who produce Will Rogers. So, you know, and, and Mrs. Rogers' allotment was next to our allotment, so I thought, well, you know, she's literally my grandmother's aunt. It took me a long time to figure that out, it out that, it, that she wasn't. Um, and that we were no blood kin to her, that she had just taken those boys in and, um, and uh, given them work and uh, given them a life, really. Do you call this novel historical fiction? Yes. And when you learned of Aunt Check uh, and this uh, cast of characters uh, that you very... I think appropriately list in the front of the book. Right. Uh, a lot of times, I think when reading, and I've done this myself, when you're involved in a long novel and there are a lot of detail and, and characters, you end up uh, opening up the the front uh, page or two, and you're you're making notes about what yes the character did, and you've done that for the reader. Did you uh, discover those members of uh, of Aunt Check's family, uh, the the brothers, uh, the uh, the African Americans that were working for the family, or is that part of the novelist genius that you created all of those characters? Well, uh, Mrs. Rogers had eight children, and I paired I paired that down to five. Um, and some of them are buried up there in that cemetery. And I found a little source material on some of the rest of them. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, I, I think I probably should say something about all the characters. The notion of let's just write, a, write about one single character and follow that character through uh, and you know, make that character a heroine or a hero, that's a real white way of thinking. Indians are always thinking about the group. So it's really hard to write a novel about Indians that's just about one or two people. That just strips the very Indianness out of them. And, you know, if you, if you read Tommy Orange's, they're there. He's writing about a lot of people. The whole notion of, of, of how to live in a Native American world is a notion of an interconnectedness that seems to have been completely lost uh, in most of our modern culture and, and which is necessary if you really want to write about Indians. Margaret, uh, th- this novel comes along um, at, at an interesting time in our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, recent events, and I'm, I'm thinking of the, um, the Covington Catholic issue at the Lincoln Memorial with a, a Native American uh, Indigenous uh, People's March member, Nathan Park, uh, a member of the Lakota Nation, uh, is one example of that. Uh, Nationally, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who just announced uh, for president, uh, has been in the news uh, uh, because of her uh, Native American blood, which she has been uh, made fun of, uh, but but also has held to that and, and now has attempted to clarify that. 
But there have been many other uh, books and novels and, and reports uh, of the difficulties of, uh, of the plight of Native Americans. Maybe sometimes uh, as, as Americans and as white Americans, we have overlooked the struggle uh, that they uh, have gone through all of their existence, uh, as you mentioned, uh, certainly during the, the Civil War and beyond. Um, what was The question is not, was Cherokee America written in response to any of this? Because she wrote it uh, so many, many years yeah. ago. It just it is, uh, do you find it uh, irony in some ways that uh, it, it really exposes uh, a lot of what we're talking about in the headlines today? Well, I don't know that I find it uh, ironic. Um, I do know that there, the, it's no accident that it's, it has been published now uh, when it wasn't published before. Indian concerns are important now. People are buying Indian concerns. And so uh, New York and Boston and the publishing industry is trying to respond to that. And uh, whereas 10 years ago, it was the same book, but, you know, nobody was talking about it. So Indian concerns are uh, are having a, a, I want to say renaissance, but that's not true because it's never had a first uh, hmm. uh, first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's in vogue now, uh, and I hope it stays that way. I mean, there's a lot to be said. I still have a lot to say about it, and I know that other people do too. Do, do you hope in some way, uh, I'm sure you do, that, that Cherokee America opens up some of that dialogue and, and really— uh, takes, um, although controversy might be the wrong um, uh, word to use, but it, it maybe it focuses a little bit more on what you want to say in your novel to talk about h- how they live and 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 how they were treated and 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 how they coexisted um, and and away from sort of the headlines. It, it gives them shows them in a in a different light. Shows the Indians in a different light? Well, I think I think it does that. And, and one thing that people have said to me about Ma's line again and again is that you've written a book about Indians that really doesn't talk about Indians. And there are two or three reasons for that. The most important one being is that Indians, as I said before, don't sit around and think, oh, gee, I'm an Indian. You know, how am I supposed to act? Um, but what I would like for people to think about in, in terms of Cherokee America is the Cherokee tribe had, has a long, long history, and this is true of all, all Native Americans, a long, long history of broken treaties, of, of white encroachment, of, of whites coming into Indian territory illegally, and again and again and again, pushing these Indians and pushing these Indians and pushing these Indians. And, um, you know, I said to somebody the other day, you know, when Daniel, when uh, somebody who was honoring Daniel Boone, you know, I said, yeah, he seems like an illegal immigrant to me. 
And and that is absolutely true. So and and, and Cherokee America deals a lot of, with the illegal uh, immigration of white people into the Cherokee Nation. And uh, and in fact, you know, much of, about half of the book is about that. And uh, I think that gives people. I mean, we're talking about you know who should be where, and you know how do we all decide. And certainly Native Americans have an entirely different view of this than a lot of people in this country. Tell me about um, a little bit about your, your, your writing process. And, and uh, you, you write so uh, clearly uh, about, um, in the essay that I read, and you, you said that there, there is more than one about the struggles that you had. I, I recall a story that I've heard Bobby Ann Mason uh, talk about, a noted uh, Kentucky author uh, who said that she kept in her desk a, a drawer full of rejection slips, and it, and it got to the point where it was overflowing. She could hardly <laughs> close the drawer. Uh, and uh, you, you um, when you decided to begin to write, uh, in fact, you have two other novels that haven't been published, you, 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 I did. you have said. Um, so tell me a little bit about the writing process and, and how it is now with, uh, with Cherokee America, with Maud's Line, Maud's Line being published first and now Cherokee America, uh, how all of that comes together in your head. You, you, um, you enjoy writing? I love it. You know, I read a quote the other day about some writer talking about, you know, it just was agony for him and I thought, golly, it's the best part of my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been up this morning uh, since about 6. I started writing at about 6.40, I think. I wrote for two and a half hours before I came over here. I'm sure, not that this isn't a good part of my day, but, I mean, it's just it is a part of my day that I look forward to every day. And um, in terms of the writing process, Gee, I could, you know, I could talk about that for hours. If if you'll give me, a, if you can narrow that down a little bit, I'll say something. I'll try to be coherent about it. Well, maybe um, you could tell us a little bit about. Uh, are are you, are you writing words on a page now? Are you doing research for the next novel? Um, what is your uh, at six forty this morning when you started out? Uh, what did you do? Okay. I have uh, finished the first draft of a new novel. Uh, I find the first draft the most painful because I never know where it's going to go, where a novel's going to go, and sometimes you just have to ditch them. You just have to say, oh, gee, I know I've written 70,000 words here, but this is awful. I can't bear it, and I'm sure no one else can. Uh, But I have gotten through the first uh, draft of, of this novel, and now I'm looking at individual paragraphs in it. And uh, the method that I particularly use on this iteration of a novel is to go through character by character and look at any paragraph that that character is mentioned in. And so this morning I was looking at a paragraph where a character named Helen Hampton is mentioned. And what that does for a writer is that it 
you know, on page 25, I may have said something about Helen Hampton, and then by the time I get to page, you know, 300, I've said something entirely that's entirely contradictory. So that has to be aligned. So there's a lot of alignment going on when you do something like that. But there's also, uh, it gives you a chance to look at the individual sentences and word choices in isolation. And that is so important, is to go over every sentence, every word choice in a novel. And that's just one tool to do it. I've got several tools to do it, but that's what I did this morning. Do you enjoy that process? Absolutely love it. Um, Final question about Maud's line. Uh, If I can take you back a couple of years, two or three years. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the exact moment when you learned that you were a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in 2016 and, and what that moment was like for you? Uh, yes, I do. I was um, I was typing an email to a friend of mine in England, and the phone rang, and it was my agent's assistant, and she said, I have Lynn on the line for you. She said, she's got some really good news. Have you heard? And I said, no, I haven't heard anything. And she said, well, I'll let Lynn tell you. So Lynn Nesbitt, who is my agent and who... You know, it was Tom Wolfe's agent and Ronald Reagan's agent. I mean, Lynn's a powerhouse of an agent. And she said, Margaret, she said, um, I have some really good news. She said, now, she says, I want you to understand. She said, you did not win this prize, but you are one of two runners up. And she said, it's going to change your life. And she told me, and she said, I'm sorry I didn't call you immediately, but we had to get the badge on the paperback first because it's in, they were printing it. And she said, um, you know, so we were all really happy. I went out for a walk after, after that, and, I, you know, it, it took two or three months for it to uh, settle in. And it it did change my life. Verbal visits her Native American home in Oklahoma several times a year. She'll be on book tour in the coming weeks. We hope to have her as a guest at the Kentucky Humanities Kentucky Book Festival, November 10th through the 16th this year. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. SoundCloud.